Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I have with me someone who does something that you've never heard on this show before, but her story is amazing. So you guys get ready. I have the amazing Ray Cornell. Hey, Ray. Hey, Anika. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Can you tell listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a content marketer and copywriter. And what I found is that a lot of businesses don't know how to use words to really connect with people. So I help them accomplish that. I get them from their big corporate offices into the homes and the hearts of people that they really want to reach with words. So what made you, um, what made you tell people's stories? What is it that, that made you decide that your, your jam was going to be telling people's stories? Well, it wasn't really a decision. It was something that just kind of evolved over time. It started out as something that filled a need for me. And eventually as more and more people started to ask me what I was spending my time on, it became something that filled the needs for other people. And then over time, businesses. So what is your background? Because I happen to know that you didn't start off as a writer. So what, what what's your background? What's your educational background? Yeah, so I graduated high school when I was 16 and I went to Santa Clara University for a degree in psychology. And I, uh, had a bit of a traumatic event in college and was diagnosed with PTSD and I was determined to get out of my undergrad experience. So I forced myself to graduate in three years. Whoa. I graduated with a degree in psychology and a minor in uh, creative writing. Ooh. And when I found to get a master's in marriage and family therapy and professional clinical counseling at Brandon University. And then I Popped it off with a master's degree in criminology at Florida State University. At what school? Florida State. What? I lived in Tallahassee for like 15 years. Oh, I did their online program, so I never got to say I lived in Florida. Well, you just missed the traffic from the football. That's okay. (laughs) That is okay. And you never had to hear that noise, so that's cool. (laughs) So you just have a little bit slash lot bit of education. Just a bit, a little bit. School has kind of always been my go-to. It's my kind of, I hate this space, but it's my safe space. You know, it's learning and, and diving into new subjects. That's really what my brain thrives on, which ties perfectly into what I do for a living now because people hire me all the time to write about things that I have no clue on. And I have to research. I'm a learner, and so yeah. I just immerse myself in it and learn completely everything I can about it so that I can write about it. I love that you mentioned that because a lot of people don't understand as entrepreneurs how much research we do. Oh, it's it's the vast majority. You know, I just had an intern start with us a couple weeks ago and I was explaining to him how when I write, you know, a blog post, for example, about 75% of the time is research. Yep. It only takes me about 25% of the time to actually write the thing. Yep. And I think that people don't understand is that when you schedule a session with someone, it's not that you're paying for the session, you're paying for the preparation because so much time goes into something as little as a blog post. I mean, you got to have 
the you have to have a reference you have to have the information you can't just say oh it's all opinion you have to have fact and that's the one thing that i respect about bloggers and things because you know i have even my mother used to always say well everything on the internet's not true well it may not be true but there's a lot of truth to it yeah. you know you have that foundation yeah and that's the other thing is when you're creating content you can't just write up a fluffy piece that you know fills the 500 word requirement bare minimum and stuff a few keywords in there that's not going to do it you have to provide value you have to fill the gaps that other platforms are not providing so people actually pay attention to your content and if you you don't know what everyone else is doing or what's already been said then you don't know how to fill those gaps so like you said big part of it is the research which is a reason why somebody should hire you to do it because i'm telling you i'm not interested in all that because like you just said you have to know what's already out there before you can put something out there because if you understand nobody's biting, there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned um, something that happened to you in college and um, you mentioned the diagnosis of PTSD, which I also have, but I'm interested to know is what impact did that have on the trajectory of your life and you starting your business? Yeah, it had a massive impact. So from just looking at my educational background, you would think I would be in you know, a counseling clinic or a mental health hospital or something like that, serving as a counselor. But what happened was in, at the end of my first year of college, uh, I was assaulted and I developed PTSD as a result. And prior to the assault, I had, I think, six or seven jobs around campus. I loved getting jobs. It was the thrill of having the interview and then having them say, yep, you're hired. And I didn't care where it was. I didn't care if it was you know, working on the school's website or uh, writing content for the uh, student life department or grading math papers. I was doing it all. After the assault, I was having a really hard time just with all the, the physical ramifications that come after you develop PTSD. Sleep mm. problems, anxiety, depression, it's just a big old cluster. Those things people don't know about. Right, right. And it's it's just this huge constellation that completely destroyed my functional schedule. I couldn't get up at you know seven AM and get to my eight o'clock office job. I couldn't I could barely make it to classes if I was lucky. So I had to have a way to fund my life, my education, the, the things I wanted to do. I wanted to continue to be able to function and not rely on, you know, my father who thankfully was hugely supportive, but I didn't want to, you know, mm -hmm. be that kid who was super dependent on, on her parents. So I had always had a knack for writing and whenever we had an essay for a class or something like that, I was thrilled. I'd rather take, you know, do an essay than have to give a presentation. So yeah, I always got A's on my papers and I was thinking, hey, why can't I write content for the websites that I'm, you know, doing for the school or, or things like that. Um, because I had taught myself HTML and CSS when I was a kid. So um, I was originally in website development for my school around campus and just kind of migrated into writing the content. Wow. And that allowed me to sleep until noon <laughs> from my crazy night of nightmares, um, mm -hmm. wake up, get some work done from my dorm room where I 
and then venture out to go to classes and come back. And I mean, it sounds like a very reclusive experience and it, it was for a while, but I also figured out a way to function while I was going through the healing process. Do you know what's so interesting about everything that you just mentioned is that when you suffer from PTSD, you don't tend to know that the lifestyle changes that you're making are to suit your symptoms because everything that you mentioned are things that I've done. Like, you know, I have to drive. I don't like when other people drive the sleeping, you know, I working and going to school online is much easier because I don't want to deal with the parking. I don't want to be around people. I don't know. I don't feel safe, you know, having my back to doors. These kind of things are the things that wear somebody down especially when you have sleep issues, you're having nightmares, it affects your appetite, it affects your confidence level. Um, and you mentioned studying. I'm, I, I call myself a professional student. I think it's a coping skill because as long as you're dibbing, digging deeper and constantly learning more, it's almost like you're validating or creating understanding of what happened so that you feel less guilt and less shame. Um, I think that this is something that a lot of people do unconsciously. Absolutely, and it's one of those things, and not just with PTSD, but also with depression and anxiety mm -hmm. disorders, where if you spend too much time in your own head, yep. it gets worse, and it gets yep. worse, and it gets worse. And you have to be able to externalize your thoughts and studying and feeling like you're developing yourself, your oh. brain, your intellect, all of that. Yep really makes you feel a little bit more in control while also giving you that escape from your internal environment. That's going that on. word, that control. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so what I'm listening to sounds to me like you have always been in writer, a writer internally and that it was your safe, that was your, your coping skill. It was your healthy coping skill. It absolutely was. Yeah. So it's just basically been perfected over time. Like it's been your go-to, it's been your gift, it's been your passion. And now it's like, you know what? Yeah, I have this education, but I also have a gift. It's one of those things that really comes natural to me. And, you know, I hate to see people who know they have a natural talent for something, but they know they also have, you know, four or five weaknesses. And they think that they need to yes. developing those weaknesses. No, forget about those. I suck at social media. So I don't do social media for our clients. I have a business partner who does that thing for her. Great exactly. If you spend one hour developing the skills that you're naturally good at, you'll go so much farther than trying to spend that one hour getting better at something that your brain is just not naturally inclined to be good at. So yeah, I, I absolutely dove into that side of my skill set, which was words and writing. And as I, Kind of healed from everything that happened to me and grew as a person my business also grew it really mirrored the journey that i was going through personally and so far i mean it's just i, I consider myself fully recovered from ptsd although i still have you know the jumpiness and nightmares occasionally and things like that much more of the physical symptoms of the emotional but now my business is just flourishing it's growing faster than I can almost keep up with, you know, and it's provided me and my husband with this incredible life. We get to go travel and, and now we're starting to pay off things. We have virtually no debt now. I think only our house is left. So, I mean, it's just been incredible to go from not being able to leave my dorm room mm -hmm. to 
being able to have this life that I've always wanted. And I mean, if I can do that, and there's really nothing special about me, I just focused on the one thing that I was good at. If you can do that and channel all of your energy into what you really love and enjoy, you can create a life and a career from it. I love all of that because, you know, self-doubt is the reason why most people never chase their dreams. And, you know, especially when you've been victimized, it's a thing that you, you constantly, you know, wonder, you know, it's that voice that just kind of just dampers. It puts a damper on everything. You'll have the brightest ideas and probably you have more creativity than you can even imagine. But if you discount it, you know, you have a thought and you swipe, you know, and, and I, that's one of the reasons why writing is good because it's tangible. And I tell everybody that you have to get out of your head and get it on paper and then it can go wherever you want it to go. And if you let it go, it'll go farther than you ever imagined. And you just mentioned that because, you know, my business, I was going to quit in December and now it's like, it's beyond me. It's like, I don't, I feel like I'm not even doing it anymore. It just happens. And that's the thing about relinquishing control and, and living in your purpose. When you have a gift or you have a passion for something and you just tap in, it will take you wherever you need to go. So what is your, um, now that you um, have this business and you're a copywriter, what types of things do you do for people? Because a lot of people have a misperception of copywriting or they may not even try to understand it. Can you break it down for people what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So let me start with the fact that I am a copywriter with a W in it, not copywriter as in trademark and protecting intellectual property. Very, very different thing. So I'm the copywriter with the W. I write content for websites, blogs, email marketing campaigns, uh, ebooks, lead magnets, social media copy, though you don't want me managing your social media content in terms of putting it out there or designing the graphics. Don't let me get near it. Uh, <laughs> it will not be pretty. Uh, I'm working on uh, this year I hope to write a ghostwrite a book for one of my clients I've been talking about that project for a few months now and it's just been a dream of mine to ghostwrite a book for someone so uh, that's potentially in the works pretty much anything with words I tend to have a knack for so and the problem is a lot of people they know they need to blog they know they need to have killer website content but they don't know why and they don't know how that actually looks. Mm -hmm. They don't know what makes great website content. So that's what I spend all of my days and nights, if I'm honest, <laughs> reading content marketing books at bed when I'm in my bed, you know, trying to fall asleep. So uh, that's what I spend my days doing is all the wordy things. And you know what? It's funny because I was, I've been telling people all week that you have to have somebody else look at your stuff. You're yeah. You're too emotionally attached that you will sit there and you will obsess and then you will deconstruct and then you will ruin your own content. And it's something that me and my business bestie, like I have to bounce things off of somebody else, but I'm now to the point where I know that I can't write my own stuff. I can write for anybody else, but not me. And can you explain to people why that is? Like, what, what is that? So there's a real dichotomy between the way we perceive ourselves and the way the world perceives us. 
you've probably heard or you know people have told you oh you're too hard on yourself or mm -hmm. you're too critical of yourself well why don't you take your own advice you give mm -hmm. such great advice to other people why don't you take your own advice yep it's the same thing our brains just we don't have a good mirror whenever we look into the mirror whether it's within our own minds or even physically we don't see what the world sees and if we put out there what we see ourselves we're going to censor ourselves we're going to diminish our value because we don't want to sound stuck up or conceited or any of those things that have been taught since childhood not to be we don't want to over promise mm -hmm. people are worried about saying oh you know i'm a fantastic copywriter i can deliver killer blog content if i say that i have to back it up so yep. a lot of people, when they're writing their content for themselves, they, and this is subconscious, it's not always deliberate, mm -hmm. they minimize their ability and the actual value and impact they can bring to other people. Whereas if you're, let's say I'm writing for my best friend, oh, I'll talk her up all day long. And I, I know she can deliver because I've watched her do it over the course of our, you know, eight year friendship. Mm -hmm. And I just know what she's capable of. Even if she doubts herself, I know what she's capable of. And that's why we're able to write content for others because we see the patterns that have already been proven over time. Whereas for us, ourselves, we say the opposite. We say, well, yeah, I did it once, but I don't know if I can do it again. Mm -hmm. And we just dig ourselves into that self-doubt hole and it comes across in our writing. I love it. You broke it down, just how it needs to be heard. Um, this is the thing that I think is a battle for a lot of people. And I can see so many, I mean, people tell me all the time, business owners, they're stagnant because they have these things that they're anxious about. And I'm speaking of myself. I mean, I have projects that I've tried to do since March. I have a, a class that I created in March last year. Haven't put it out there because I just keep saying, well, it's not good enough and it's not this and it needs to be this. And it's that perfection, you know, of not to mention once it's out there on the internet or whatever, you're going to be reminded of it. And what we have to understand is that we're always going to be better tomorrow than we are today. And that we have to go with what we have and we have to know that we are enough and that we are totally equipped with everything that we need to do what we set our minds out to do. Yeah. Absolutely. And a lot of people think that once it's online, it's permanent. It's not. If you create a course and the first rendition sucks, guess what? You can take it down. You can update it. You can make it better. It's not permanent. And the people who experience that course, they're going to forget, or they're going to be grateful for the fact that now you've given them an upgraded version included in the price that they originally paid. And that just adds more value. So people discredit the first draft, but the first draft is often where you have the best idea. And just getting it out there is so much more valuable than just sitting on it and keeping it for yourself or stuffing it in the corner and making yourself think it's no good. I agree. The same thing with school. How many of us have gone back and revised a paper and then ruined it and messed it up. And that's one thing I say, I'm the type of person I sit down, I bang it out and then I let it go. If I don't do that and I revisit and I revisit or I leave it sitting there, I'm gonna mess it up. Yep. Absolutely. Well, can you tell listeners how to find you, how to get a hold of you and, um, what you have out there in the universe? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at www.cornellcopywriting.com. That's Cornell like the university and copywriting with a W, C-O-P-Y-W-R-I-T-N-G. And right now, if you're listening to this in January, my website is going through a bit of a facelift. So um, there is a spot where you can drop your name and email address, and then you'll be notified when my new website goes live and I'm going to be sending out tons of free goodies with, uh, for my email list. So, um, and that's going to be things like we have the 10 copy crimes and how to solve them. And I love the name of that. <laughs> I love that. So, so, lots of fun stuff coming in the pipeline for 2019. That is awesome. Well, I want to thank you for being here because <laughs> I, I was just saying to you before the podcast, I've been talking about this writing block um, of trying to get sponsorship letters, ads, marketing material, blogs, all these things. And then there's Ray. Um, and so, you know, this is so funny. I want people to understand that you need to outsource as much as possible because when you are starting to grow, your business will take off without you and it will crumble if you don't do what you need to do. We have to relinquish power, stop thinking that we can do it all because we are not good at everything. And everything that I say coming out of my mouth is for me because <laughs> These are all issues that we all struggle with, but it's things that I tell myself because the first thing that my business coach told me was, you need to outsource. And she said it about five months ago when I needed to do it. And she said, don't wait till you get to that point. And listeners, I'm talking to you guys. You know, a lot of people don't understand why you need to hire coaches, why you need to have different professionals, why you need these people. And for Ray, you have a psychological perspective, which I totally respect because when you have that, you can assess somebody for what they need and what they want versus somebody who cannot read you or does not have that emotional attachment. And so you are definitely a, a force to be reckoned with. And I'm glad that you are here today. And listeners, I hope you guys check her out. Thank you for being here, Ray. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a complete pleasure. All right, listeners. Well, that's all for this episode of Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson. Stay powerful.